and I'll share it with everybody here. And if you do these three things, this, this meeting's over. If you do these three things, you'll bear hug me in a year at the end of 2023 and be like, man, unbelievable. If your kids do these things, you'll bear hug me. If you do everything the same in 2023 that you did this, this year, but you layer in these three things, your life will be way better. So the first thing that I do is What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today, I am doing a special episode. It's kind of solo, but it's kind of not, where I'm going to be going through and summarizing and providing some highlights from the Jesse Itzler interview that I did recently at a GoBundance Champion event in Austin, Texas. So I'll start with a little bit of backstory, and then I'm going to go to the three spots in the interview that I think were extremely impactful and that would help you, the audience at Tribe of Millionaires, which I really, really appreciate all of you. And um, depending on when this is released, either Happy New Year or I guess Happy New Year on either side of the new year. So I'm going to go through and give you kind of a backstory and a little bit of behind the scenes action on what this was like building up to that interview and then highlighting the parts of the interview that really, really hit. At the end of this, if you stick around, there was one really interesting behind the scenes moment that I will share. So that's my little teaser to get you to stick around to the end. I will share that at the end of this episode, uh, something that only I got to observe for a moment. And it was it was pretty cool. It was a really, really cool moment. So let's dive in. This interview was being done live on stage, as I mentioned, at a GoBundance Champion event. If you're not familiar with GoBundance Champions, this is a, a net worth of $5 million or more is required. So the average net worth in the room is probably in the $20 to $25 million range. And there were three, maybe four people in that room with a nine-figure net worth, $100 million or more. So a really, really successful group of people. And in addition, this was a couples event. So there were about a third of the guys that brought their wives and it was a fully integrated um, uh, event for the wives to be there, which was great. So that was a lot of fun. In advance of this event, Jesse Itzler was booked through a speaking agency. Now, I don't do any of that work. That's all done by Matt King and his team, really his team, Matt King being the CEO of GoBundance. But in doing so, the decision was, hey, look, we're going to facilitate this discussion, uh, which, which I was asked to do since I host the podcast and, and all of that. We're going to facilitate this discussion. And there were certain terms that this speaking bureau or speakers bureau had that they needed from us in advance of his appearance. So the first thing was that I had to submit the questions in advance. Now, for a guy who likes to flow. I prepare. Don't get me wrong. I write down a whole bunch of questions, but I'm preparing all the way up to the moment that we interview. So I'm adding questions, tweaking questions. That's whether it's on a podcast or if I'm going up on stage interviewing somebody live. So for me, questions in advance is okay, but they needed them two weeks in advance. So me being me, I thought of everything I could ask and submitted that to his team and waited for the feedback. And thankfully they came back and said, yeah, we're good on all of these, but one, I won't tell you what that one is. There's a specific reason why I won't. If you're in GoBundance and you're curious, catch me in Tahoe and I'll explain what that one thing was uh, one-to-one, but I'm not going to put it out here publicly. But one question was, was omitted, but that these speakers bureaus, man, they, they are very strict on what they allow and don't allow, what you what you can and can't do, the timeline that the guest is available. I mean, very strict. They they I guess that's how they earn their their commission is they make sure that there is one hundred percent structure around what the guest is going to have once they hit the ground. I experienced this with Ryan Serhant as well when I interviewed him in Miami early in twenty twenty two. The team was very specific on okay, you got twenty minutes in the podcast chair. You got to be there. If, if he's not if he's not uh, out in twenty minutes, you're going to have to edit the end of the episode. 
episode. He's gone. Like, that's what we got as the team. Well, such is the case in both instances, as well as one more. When the guest actually gets there, they don't care. Like, Brian Serhant was like, I, yeah, I, I mean, sure, but I, I mean, I'll, I'm here, so I don't really care how long it takes. Like, I'm, I'm going to be speaking on stage later. As long as I'm not being interrupted in my prep for that, then I'm good, right? So it was a completely different vibe from the guest. And the same with Jesse. Jesse came in, and he's like, man, I'm an open book. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm ready to go. You know, and, and we had a great conversation in advance of him going on stage. So speakers bureaus are very strict, but the guest live is sort of like, yeah, I don't know. They've set it up and... Who knows? And I've had that experience each and every time. So before we got started, while we were in the green room, I just asked him, like, all right, man, is there anything off limits? And he's like, no, I really know. I'm an open book. And the other thing I asked him was, look, speaking is what you do. It's it's the thing that you're you're doing now in your 50s. You have a passion for it. Is the stage the right place for you to honor your sister? Not for us, not for me, not for GoBundance, but just for you. Is it like this is your domain and you'd love to honor your sister in this domain? Because his sister had just passed a day or two before he actually attended this event. So even the day before we were wondering like, ah, might he not attend understandably, but he ended up affirming it and just saying, Hey, I just need to leave 15 or 20 minutes earlier than expected. Uh, so can we move everything up about 15, 20 minutes so I can, I can attend services for my sister, which of course, of course we did. But he said, no, look, if it comes up, it comes up. I'm not, I'm not shy about it, but I don't need a moment to reflect here. Like I want to deliver value to, to this audience and, and we'll go from there. So that was really cool. And then he asked me just to actually like minutes before we were going to walk in the room, we were waiting for um, Aaron West, who's a GoBundance member who did a really good goal setting exercise uh, for couples at the event. Aaron was wrapping up. He was doing his thing. And as soon as he wrapped, I'd go up and bring Jesse up on stage. And before we walked into the room, he kind of pulled me back. And if you watch, if you watch any of my stuff, you'll see, you will have seen videos of he and I talking in a hallway. Um, he was like, what do these people like? What do they want? What should I deliver for them? And I just said, Hey, it's a entrepreneur group. They're all entrepreneurs. This particular group is a high net worth entrepreneurs group. So I don't think they need, you know, uh, like high level or, you know, uh, rah, rah type motivation, but they need tactics. They need skill. They need, they need things that can take them to that next level. I mean, Jesse's, if he's not a billionaire, he's, you know, his wife is, and they are as a couple. So he's, he's living a significant life, obviously. So motivation and inspiration is great. And also any tactical or, or informational stuff. And specifically, I said, look, man, this is a couple's event. So whatever we can talk about that relates to how you and your wife manage big lives, kids, the whole nine. And he goes, yeah, great. That's awesome. Uh, Sarah and I have an amazing process that I'll walk everybody through on how we manage our family of four. Now, this is a funny thing. And then we're going to go to the first uh, the first of three sections that I think is is really impactful in this interview. But. I, the, I told him, okay, I will open the interview with a question of how do you find balance given the significant lives you've both forged and still having four kids? How do you find balance in that? And he says, before I get to that and went on a, on a, on a whole story and it was awesome, comes back and I'm like, all right, let me hit him one more time with it. Okay. Hey, so you were talking about balance or you were going to talk about balance. And he, and he said, yeah, but one other thing quick. And he went off on this other tangent, never came back to it. And I just kind of gave up on it at, the, at that point. You know, I think he had all the good intentions, but you know, he had a path forged after he got into it. Um, and you know, he was rolling. So I'm going to talk about three areas, uh, three clips that you're going to hear right now that are from the event, from the talk that I think were especially impactful and that can help you uh, going into 2023 or if we're in 2023 when you hear this, you know, it's still early. So plenty of the year left for you to implement. The first thing he talked about was the three things that you can do in the next year. And he talked about this in terms of if you do these things, 
He said, you're going to give me a big bear hug at the end of the year because what you will have accomplished and the person you will have become will be exponentially different and better than you are right now. If only you implement these three things. Let's go listen to that. And I'll share it with everybody here. And if you do these three things, this, this meeting's over. If you do these three things, you'll bear hug me in a year at the end of 2023 and be like, man, unbelievable. If your kids do these things, you'll bear hug me. So the first thing is there's an old, if you do everything the same in 2023 that you did this, this year, but you layer in these three things, your life will be way better. So the first thing that I do is there's an old Japanese ritual called the Masogi. And the notion around a Masogi is you do one year-defining thing every year. Something that like you can look back on and I said, Jane, what did you do in 2015? What did you do in 2017? What did you do in 2019? Well, what the hell did you guys do eight days ago? You probably don't even know what you do eight days ago, but you sure as hell should be able to say, in 2022, I launched a podcast. I quit smoking. I did 29 or 29. There should be one big thing. So every year I plan one big event. Last year in 2022, for me, it was an event called Ultraman, which was a 6.2 mile open, 6.4 mile open water swim, 260 mile bike, and a 52.4 mile run. That was my Masogi. So going into 2023, the first thing I do is like, what am I gonna do this year that's gonna really define my year outside of work? That's the first thing. The second thing that I do is something that I call Kevin's Rule. Kevin is a police officer in New York, where, where I'm from, uh, who's a friend of mine, blue collar guy, the happiest guy that I know, on a policeman's salary, the happiest guy I know. Maybe the best life of anyone that I know. And Kevin and I take our eight-year-old kids to climb Mount Washington in the winter. Mount Washington is freezing, it's like minus 10 degrees, we're in a minus 20 sleeping bag, sleeping outside of the snow. It's midnight. I said, Kevin, there's eight billion people in the world. We're the only four people, your daughter and my son, and we're the only four people out here. This is unbelievable, man. How often do you do stuff like this? And he lights up. He goes, oh, ever since I graduated college, every other month, I do something on a weekend or one day of the weekend that I normally went to done. I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, like, well, instead of watching the Georgia football game, I might take my kids fishing. I might sign up for a 5K. I might take a cooking class. But I do something I normally wouldn't have done, like this trip we're on right now. I said, that's unbelievable. He said, yeah. I said, well, why do you do it? He said, because if you create six mini adventures every year, and you're 40 years old, and you live to be 80, that's 240 things that you wouldn't have had in your life events or mini adventures that you just created. I said, this is fucking brilliant, man. Like, I could take a day every other month to do something like that. That's six times a year. So if you're 40 and you live to be 80, the average American lives to be 78, you live to be 80, that's 40 year-defining adventures like Ultraman that I just did. And that's 240 new adventures that you wouldn't have had. You won life, man. You won life if you do that. So that's what I do. I create one thing, six mini adventures, I plan them out. This is for me personal, this isn't for my, my wife and my family. And I'm crushing life. And then the third thing is I add a winning habit every quarter. What does that look like? 
ah, maybe it's a 10 minute a day meditation practice. Maybe I'm never gonna be late to a meeting. Maybe it's drinking half my weight in water, right? What they say you're supposed to do. But if you add four new habits at the end of 2023, six mini adventures and a, and a killer experience, and you repeat that for the rest of your life, that's a heck of a life, man, if you do everything else the same. And it's easy to do. So that's what I do. Yeah. And I've been doing it since I'm about 20. All three of those tips are amazing. For me, I know I'm already in the process of implementing the idea of scheduling out the adventures every eight weeks, something that I wouldn't do anyway, because I don't. I, I get in a routine of doing this and this and this. By the end of the year, I'm trying to catch up on it. But getting that not only listed out, but on my schedule, huge. And I want to have that number of adventures in my lifetime. I'm exactly what you talked about. I'm 44, right? I'm right in my, the 40s. I've got, I hope, more than 40 years left, but let's say 40 really viable years left. And to have that many adventures just pre-planned, why wouldn't I? And it could be something simple, something as quick as a, an afternoon doing something. It could be, you know, axe throwing, whatever it is. But those things are really, really impactful to me. So I really loved that clip. I hope you got value out of it. In fact, I'd love to hear from you. Drop it down in the comments. What is it that you took from that? What one really hit for you? The second one, the second segment that I think is really, really impactful is Jesse talked about his relationship with time, how he views time. So at his level, and I know others like David Osborne that I talk to that, are, that have a significant net worth, they sort of have a similar view on time, but Jesse explains it really, really well here. So I want you to hear this section of that interview. Most people see their parents that they live not close three times a year, like once a year, right? So once a year, if your parents live 10 years, you have 10 visits. So you take 10 years and you dummy it down to 10 visits, that relationship changes very quickly on what I want to do in that time and how I want to spend it and um, how often, maybe I should change that. Maybe I should go see him. Maybe I could, you just see him twice, you would double the amount, obviously. So my relationship with time is based around urgency and a reality that like you just don't know. I mean, Gandhi said it best. Live like you, learn like you'll live forever. Live like you'll die tomorrow. Learn like you'll live forever and live like you'll die tomorrow. And that's my relationship with time. You know, I don't like, I sign up for something and then I figure out how to do it. I don't wait to be like, well, let me figure out how I'm gonna do Ultraman. I, I didn't even know how to swim when I signed up for the, for the Ultraman. I didn't even know how to swim. I mean, I could get across a pool, but I couldn't swim. And I'm like, that didn't, but I'm not gonna wait two years to do that. Two years, when I climbed Mount Washington with Kevin, without our kids, I told everybody in the world that we're going to go climb Mount Washington. Mount Washington is the most deadliest mountain in the United States in the winter to climb. I have no climbing experience. It's only four miles to the top, and it's not technical. But it's really windy and really cold, and there's no visibility. It's really cold. So I put it on Facebook, you know, I'm going to climb Mount Washington. People are like, how far is it? I'm like, oh, it's like a mile and a half or something up. It's like two or three miles or something. I don't remember what it is. Oh, you could do that. You've ran 100 miles. Like, no problem. Everybody knows I'm doing this. I go with Kevin and a couple of friends. We get maybe a quarter mile from the summit. And we had a rule. If we're not at the summit by 1 o'clock, we're going to turn around because the darkness comes. You can't be out there in dark. It is one o'clock. We're, we're literally less than a quarter of a mile from the summit. And my friends are like, we're gonna be up there in 15 minutes. I'm like, we said one o'clock, man. We made a hard stop. When we could think rationally, we made a hard stop at one o'clock. It's one o'clock, I got four kids. I get peer pressured into it. 
So we keep going up, we keep going up, and now it's getting worse. Really bad, like windy, I'm freezing, I can't, we're not even sure we're going the right way. So I'm like, I'm out of here, man. Like, this, I'm, this is not worth it, you know? So we bail. We go back down, and people, and I let people know, like, we didn't make it. People are like, you didn't make it? You could, and I get home, and my wife's like, I tell my wife, I can't believe I did this. We were so close. And she was like, sweetie, get a tour guide, a guide, train for this, and go back and do it next year. And I was like, next year? I'm going back on Saturday. <laughs> knows what next year is going to be. Next year could be broken angle, could be COVID, it could be this, and we did it. So like, my relationship with time is based around urgency, man, and a reality that, who knows? Living life with urgency, huge. And I love the point about next year, I'm going back next week. I thought that was awesome. So again, drop a comment down below. What landed for you in that segment? I'd love to hear what, what you got, the value you got, if any, from hearing what Jesse just talked about. The last section is probably the most intense. And to be honest with you, the room in this portion, I remember talking to guys and, and some of their wives afterward saying, hey, wow, that got really, really intense. Just so like I could feel his energy. And honestly, I felt it like really, really palpably sitting right next to him. I was the closest guy in the room to him. And he just, you know, his, his cadence, his, his body language, everything got really, really fired up in, the, in a great way. He had such passion on this topic of entrepreneurship and really how people, how quickly people give up. And he uses podcasts as an example here, and he just gets into it. Not for the faint of heart, some language that he uses is pretty strong as you go into this. But it's an incredible point and that the energy I felt coming off of him was a little scary. Like when he was done with this, he kind of looked over at me like, what else? Not like I'm mad, but like, like I'm into this. Like what now? Like what do you want to hear? What else do you want to hear? What else can I deliver here? He was just so fired up. It was a bit intimidating, to be honest with you. So you can see where that intensity comes from. A guy with that kind of success, I could feel that intensity from him. So this section, I want you to really pay attention to and let me know what you get out of it. But it's an incredible view on entrepreneurship and how he sees his odds when he's competing against everyone else. Take a listen. You're great at category design, category cultivation. So you don't write a biography, you write it in this way. You don't uh, uh, you know, compete with NetJet directly, you carve out a new category, a new niche. Is that intentional, is that intuitive, is that key to your entrepreneurial journey? Well, I just think as an entrepreneur, there's really two things that you could do. You could make something, an existing product better, or you could create something new. And I'm just, I'm always looking, at my own life, what could be better or what's broken or whatever, and that's where ideas usually come from. I was a guest on a private plane, and I was like, this is unbelievable, man. I was like, I was 28 years old. I was like, guest on a private plane. I'm like, how do you fly privately? And the only option was to buy your own airplane, which was like $50 million. I had $37,000 in my bank account. Or you could charter an airplane, and there were a lot of inconsistencies around charter, who's flying the plane, and all these restrictions, da, da, da. So we created, we're like, no, we want to take three flights a year, but we want to be on this plane that we're on, this, this netject kind of thing. So we created this 25-hour program, because there was a void and a white space. And you know, when you come up with a new idea, you're going to be met with tremendous resistance. If it was such a good idea, how come the big guys haven't done it yet? Or you don't have enough experience in that. And um, I never let that bother me. I never worried about the how. It was always like, I'm going to figure out how. Um, I, went, I go to the end of the story. 
I believe in the end of the story, which is really important. I saw the thing about the goal setting. I think one thing that I would add to that list is believing in the end of the story, no matter how far away the story is. If you're single, you have to believe he or she's out there. If you're trying to get to a $50 million, you know, I used to walk into my office when I was sleeping on my friend's couch, turn to my partner and be like, we're millionaires, man. They just haven't paid us yet. You have to like talk it into existence. What I say about my son, when he said, I can't, as soon as he said, I can't do it, dad, I can't get out of the car, it's over. So the theme is looking for opportunities, believing in it, having a passion for it, which is incredibly important, and, and then breaking it into digestible bites. If they would have said when you started Marquee Jet, you need Department of Transportation approval, FAA approval, and all this stuff, I'd be like, I was a kiddie pool attendant four years before that. I'd be like, what? What was the first thing you said I needed? FAA approval? Well, there must be a lawyer that specializes in that. Let me get that lawyer. Oh, we got that. What was the second thing? Department of Transportation. There's got to be a lawyer that does that. And you just keep chopping and chopping and chopping. It's the same thing when you're swimming. 6.4 miles seems insane. But if I said to you guys, swim to that wall, tread, tread water for 10 seconds, get your heart rate down, and then swim back to me, everybody here could probably do that. Now, could you do that 95 times? Well, if you broke it into one time at a, one at a time, I bet you could. So people think these like overwhelmingly challenging assignments or tasks, they are. And that's why, not, how about this? How about this? Do you know how many podcasts there are in the Apple, in the Apple podcast library? There's two million. Of the two million, 500,000 of those podcasts that were launched only did one episode. They did one episode and quit. They said, oh my God, where are the advertisers? How come my, my followers haven't tripled? Why aren't I? They made one fucking podcast and dropped out. If that's the state of this country, I like my chances. No, I'm serious. I like my chances. I can rule out 25% out of the gate just because they have no grit. 60% had 10 or less podcasts. Man, I would do a thousand podcasts. I'll do a thousand podcasts before I quit. I will do a thousand podcasts trying different things before I quit. One podcast, shame on you. Shame on you. That's not the way this thing works, man. You have to stay in the game and create your own luck. Wait for luck to find you. You think luck is gonna find you if you quit after one podcast? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Wow, powerful. So I'd love to hear from you. What is it that you've done like that? I know I have. I know I had the one podcast and then, you know, never did another one, just gave up early because it didn't do what it was supposed to do. Like, where have you done that? Is it is it joining a course or a, a mastermind that you've given up on too quickly? Or is it, you know, some sort of activity that you have a love for, but you gave up on it because it was just, you know, it, it wasn't immediately satisfying. Like, what is that? And it wasn't the wrong move for you. I don't know. But his his talk about stick to really, really resonated with me. And I don't know if you could feel that intensity even through the video, but wow. Powerful, powerful stuff from Jesse Itzler. Now, I promised all of you a quick behind the scenes moment, and here's what that is. At the end of the interview, he walked out, 
but Matt still had the room, Matt King. So he still had the room. I walked out with Jesse to the photo area. So he was taking photos and he had, he had signed books before in the green room while we were talking, he was signing books. So he was, you know, books were being given out and people got a picture with him. So I'm standing out there with him and David Osborne comes running out and says, Hey man, I just want to introduce myself. You know, I'm David and they get chatting and David's a humble guy. He's not going to say, you know, uh, uh, I'm a pretty successful guy myself, but it was an opportunity for me to connect these two guys. And I love connecting earlier on when we were in the green room, it was, it was Jesse, it was me and it was Matt King. Matt King is the CEO of GoBundance, but also runs the David, David Osborne family offices. So da Matt runs everything. So when I said at that moment, I said, yeah, Jesse, Matt, you met. He goes, yeah, Matt's great. I said, well, Matt, Matt, the family office Matt runs, that's David Osborne's. And I'll be honest, in that moment, you could see like both guys like, you know, lock in like, oh, I know I get you. It was like a, a like a nine figure look, which was <laughs> which was awesome. And they even went full like like. Andy, Andy, what's his name? Uh, the, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't think of his name right now, but they went, they went with him like the, he had something in his hand and put it up over his face on the side so that only he and David would be talking about the topic they talked about. I could hear it. I'm not going to share what that was, but it was the type of topic that only guys at that level would, ha would, would have a discussion on. Like people like me at this point in my life, like I'm not part of that to conversation for sure, but they agreed to connect later and, and build a friendship. And it was just one of those things where, you know, when I think about masterminds and why do we join groups where there's a net worth minimum or whatever, there's a certain level of lifestyle. It doesn't mean better or worse, but just a certain way of living that comes with more success especially more financial success. It doesn't make anybody better or worse, but there's a level and these guys could both relate to, okay, we live very unique lives. That's a network that I want. I want to be in the room with this guy and, and have that connection. So I thought that was a really cool moment uh, to see. And it was just funny to me. It was like, like two, two alpha dogs seeing each other. And they just, as soon as, as soon as it was explained, which they each are, there was instant recognition and connection between them, which was a really cool moment. That's it for this episode. It's a pretty short one, but I hope you got a lot of value out of these few snippets from Jesse Itzler. If you're a member of GoBundance, a member of GoBundance Women's, or a member of Emerge Supercharge, the community that I run, the, the future club of GoBundance members, you'll get access to this interview. Otherwise, one of the conditions that we had with the contract that we signed for Jesse was this was going to stay within GoBundance overall. I'm releasing a couple clips that I don't think give away the the a ton of depth that's going to be exclusive to the GoBundance members, but this is the kind of content that we keep in-house for our membership to get maximum value out of, including some really cool Q&A at the end. This is an hour, 20-minute total interview with the Q&A, and there was a lot of value delivered. I, I distilled down just three of the nuggets, and to be honest with you, there are three of the nuggets that were probably not the most vulnerable or deep because that is left for the members of all of the GoBundance communities to enjoy and see now that they're, uh, you know, once we house it in, in the portal for them. That's what I got. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Would love to hear your comments and make sure you give us a rating and review. Jump over to GoBundance.com, apply for membership at any level, and we'll make sure we have the community set up for you. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week.